0: You know, um, as we look at this, I'll be brief today, obviously, but uh, as we look at this situation, we would say, well, Jamal was 31 years old, and I thought you preached by his stripes you were healed. I do, and I still do, and Jamal preached it too, just so you know. You know, Jesus only asked one time, and I was in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, by a leper, said, master, will you make me whole? Will you heal me? And the master said, yes, be thou made whole. And that had been a great opportunity for Jesus to say, I'm sorry, 2,000 years or so from now, preachers will be preaching, and a lot of them are going to start preaching, you know, if it be my will to heal, so I need to cover my future brothers here, my future priests, and no, he made it real clear, be thou made whole, with no excuses, and that's the only place I've ever found or anyone that I know of has ever found where he was even asked if it's his will. Well, how does something like this happen? Well, we live in a curse-fallen world because of the fall of Adam and Eve that brought death and sin into the world. Really, the true term for death, the biblical term, is to be separated from God. That's why the Bible says it only pointed but one time for man to die. And, uh, but thank goodness we had the second Adam, Jesus Christ, come. And because of his resurrecting power, we become sons and daughters of God. But we still live in a fallen, messed up world. And we still have to stand and believe. We still have to walk it out. We still have to live it out. And that's why I'm so honored to just be a part of this and to see the great faith of the Fields family. Let's give God a shout one more time if we could. I want to also have you remember uh, Tracy Dolman, Tracy and Jay. Tracy's sister, age 55, went home to be with the Lord yesterday morning. She lives in Florida. So lift up the Dolmans and say, travel and minister to their family. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> and I also want to thank, how about Miss Megan Lilly? Did she preach the house down? Come on, did she preach the house down? Way to go, man. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So she's usually sitting right there. She's probably running back there now doing something. But, uh, man, what an honor to see your sons and daughters. And there'll be more sons and daughters up here speaking before you know it. But what an honor it is to have spiritual sons and daughters that have your DNA. You know when they get up, it's going to be your heart, the heart of the house, and the ministry. Do you feel blessed to be in this house? <clears throat> Amen. Two weeks ago... I began to talk to you about the wind of favor, the wind of favor. What is the wind of favor? The wind of favor, the Bible teaches us, is the breath of God. We see that in Genesis 2, 7, where God hewn man out of the dusty earth, and he breathed life. That word life in the Hebrew is zoe, the God kind of life, into man, and he became a living soul. In the Jewish taliban, it says that he became a walking, talking, speaking soul. <laughs> And so what I want you to realize is that is Jesus, uh, as, as we walk this out and we begin to realize that whenever we're walking in the winds of favor, that we can operate in the winds of favor, whether we're going into good times or difficult times, whether the circumstances are perfect or whether the circumstances are terrible, whether we have a good surprise or a horrible surprise. It's up to us to deal with the rudder of our heart. Remember I taught you what the rudder of your heart is. And that is favor is just like this. It's guided by our heart. Our heart is like a sailboat with a rudder. And that handle, that rudder controls the sails and determines the direction and the speed of the sailboat. Your heart, the condition of your heart, the love, the faith, the hope, the joy in your heart, the character you walk in, That is what is the force behind the breath of God over your life. The Bible says he is no respecter of persons. The Bible says Jesus is the the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's not one thing that he has done for a great apostle or saint of God that he won't do for you. Because he said in numbers, I am God and I cannot lie. Does anybody believe that this morning? As we look at this, you know, it's been prophesied, First Chronicles 16, 9, verse 9, And for a great door, an effectual door is open to me, and there are many adversaries. And the word was expansion and is expansion, and that was a few weeks ago, and it's for the next 90 days, a time of expansion. Dr. Coy said this is a miracle house, and I believe we're going to continue to see amazing miracles. I just Talked to Jimmy back there. He stopped by us. He's giving his offering, and I'm just getting to know him. I remember I met him a while back, a couple different times. And uh, he said, I just want you to know, he said, five months ago, I just gotten out of the hospital. Uh, I think you had several broken bones in your back, Jimmy, and was in a lot of pain. And he said, you just came back to me and took your fist and kind of just punched me right, is it the third one, the third lumbar? With this knuckle, perfectly. You know what it probably was? I probably put my hand on. That's probably the Holy Ghost going right through, penetrating into you. Come on. He said, yes, I had one pain in five months. He said he's even not even been taking his prescriptions. The doctor even asked him. He said, well, why? I'm healed. I don't need to take prescription anymore. God has healed his back. Let me tell you something. You serve in what? a miracle house. Say, I'm part of a miracle house. And part of that, being in a miracle house, is understanding the ways of God. We don't stand up here and make excuses from God. Well, the Lord picked another lily from the valley. I know Pastor Fields is not going to be preaching that. Elder Fields, no. God don't pick no lily from the valley. He creates us in his image and his likeness, right? So what is he doing? He's just receiving one of his crown jeweled kids to heaven, and we need to honor that. But what I want you to realize is no matter what the winds of circumstances, good or bad, how they blow on your life, it really determines how you handle the rudder of your heart. Can anybody say amen this morning? Everything about you, your personality, your intellect, your spiritual walk, your physical body, your history, everything about you is perfectly designed for obedience. I'm not talking about religious holiness that... People can't, don't cut your hair, don't wear makeup and all that. Please paint your barn. Praise God, don't, that's just crazy. Well, I'm sorry. I repent, Lord. I shouldn't say it's crazy because I'm crazy too. Did you know everybody's goofy, right? We're all, so there's certain things that I think maybe it's not holy that somebody else would laugh at me about, right? So we all got our issues, right? Look at your neighbor and say, you got issues. We all got issues. So I don't want to be negative on someone because I came out of a good holiness background, Nazarene, and I honor that. I'm just saying we cannot, holiness means Hagios, it means separated for God's use, right? Separated for God's use and not evil. Hagios is to be other, it's to be separate in God, in His glory, in His favor, in His spirit. And what I want you to realize is that when you're beginning to talk about walking in the wind or the breath of God, which is Holy Spirit, when you begin to walk in the Holy Spirit, in Holy Spirit, the breath of God over every area of your life, whether it's good or bad, God will begin through your obedience to praise Him anyway, your obedience to stand and believe, your obedience when you say, I don't have faith, Lord, help me with my faith, your obedience when you have great faith, your obedience when you're in the valley or on the mountain, wherever you are, the obedience of our heart to always give praise to God no matter what we're going through because through is important. Through is where the testimony is and where it lies. And what I want you to realize this morning, that we all have stuff going on in our life. And when I'm talking about living in the breath of God, I'm talking about being clothed in his presence. Can somebody say amen? amen. And as we begin to realize that, and we begin to monitor, monitor our heart, which is our value system, our attitude, the, our perception of God, someone told a, a story about, Oh, Meg Ann, the the crux of her message last week, right, was the prayer of Jabez, and Jabez was praying, right, to have a name change, but what did God do? God changed his perspective. Sometimes we want a name change, but all we need to change, really, is our perspective because your perception is your reality, You ever try to talk to somebody that's so wrong, they don't know they're wrong, but they perceive they're right and everyone tries to help them and they still don't get it? Why? Because your perception can be your protection or your perception can be your destruction. Now, when we're going through times, good times, bad times, average times, we have to deal with monitoring our heart to make sure we stay under the breath of God, Holy Spirit, now, I read to you Psalm 100, verses 1 through 5, and I talked to you about how we enter his gates and his courts with praise, with thanksgiving, and we bless his name. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. Listen to this now. Favor is to drive me to the center of my design, which finds its fullness in covenant and relationship. What? Favor is to drive me in the center of my design. Why? Because God uniquely designed every person under the sound of my voice. He designed us. Your DNA is not like anyone else's DNA. Your thumbprint is not like anyone else's thumbprint. You are the best you that God ever created. Can somebody say amen? As we begin to realize that, then I got to say, okay, how do I take it out of this big biblical context? God is good and, you know, God favors me and I'm living under Holy Spirit or the breath of God's spirit and, and all that. Until we realize that the center of my design comes through covenant and relationship. First of all, it's how I perceive my heavenly father, right? And my covenant and my relationship with him. In other words, favor that drives me away from covenant relationships and people is a misuse of favor. In other words, if I'm going to walk in the breath of God, Holy Spirit, His favor, His blessings on my life to the fullness, I've got to monitor not just my heart, but who I'm in covenant with, who I'm in relationship with. Because favor by nature is supposed to increase my capacity to impact those under my influence and around me. Favor is not for me. Favor is for others. I get the benefit of that favor when I begin to release the favor on my life to people in the sphere of my influence because if God can get it through you, He'll get it to you. But once he gets it to you and through you, you get the byproduct to experience the same anointing that you minister to other people's lives. Just like with Jimmy back there when I prayed for him and and he felt like his fist hit him in the back. I don't recall that, but it could happen. (laughs) But I do know the Holy Spirit is so pinpoint, so powerful that whenever I feel that anointing and mark at others, you know, you feel the presence of God going right through you because God's presence is tangible, right? His glory is visible. It is seen. It is manifested. It's bringing his presence into your midst and identifying itself. And I think the greatest example of this I shared with you a couple of weeks ago is King Solomon, right? Who... When God said, I'm going to give you one request, ask me anything, he didn't ask him for more weapons, more people, more money, or influence. He said, give me wisdom. And God made him the wisest man maybe that's ever on the earth, other than obviously Jesus. And people came from all these different countries to worship and to honor him because of the great nation he was building and facilities he was building and how his people loved him and how he was leading and how he never lost battles. And as Solomon did that, Queen sheba heard about his glory, and she came many miles away just to see it. And once she saw it, she said, Man, I, I came to test it myself, but you're so wise. Your people love you. Your nation's so beautiful. You built such amazing buildings and facilities and temples and all this stuff. I, I can't believe it. And, and she began to prophesy over King Solomon. And she said, God has highly favored favored you, Solomon. But here's the key. A lot of people stop right there. He has highly favored you, Solomon, King Solomon. And everybody goes, well, yeah, he was favored. Look at him. He's David's son. He's the main dog. His country's the richest country in the world. He's doing more than anyone's ever done on the planet. The wisest king ever. Everything's going. He's young. He's strong. He's mighty. But you got to watch that one little word in there. Uh, It says, because. See, it's not what's on you, it's why it's on you. Why, whoever operates in what, always serves the ones that knows the why. That's a little business principle for you. Look at that. Can you put that scripture up, guys? So it says, God has highly favored Solomon. What? Because of his love for Israel. See, you are favored and anointed not for you. You are favored and anointed for those around you and those that God has put into your life and you're in relationship with. God has highly favored you and put your name in the same place as Solomon. In other words, God has highly favored you, Mark, Elder Mark, right? Because of his love for those you influence and in your sphere of relationships. Whenever you see God's anointing is in me for my sake, but His anointing's on me what? for the sake of others. And the more I release of what He's given me, the more He multiplies it back on my life. A lot of people say, "Well, how are you operating against the Spirit, healing, and miracles?" I said, "Just like an attorney practices law, a doctor practices medicine, right? What an athlete practices his craft, his sport or her sport." It's the same way. The Bible says that these gifts grow by the reason of use or the practicing thereof. So as you begin to learn the ways of God, not just knowing God, but begin to learn his ways, then you can set the rudder of your heart to have the cells of your life jump right in the middle of God's favor, the wind and breath of God, so that you can live the full life he designed you to live. Can anybody say amen this morning? Now, that doesn't mean it'll be a life without problems, without heartaches, without celebration. It'll be a life full of everything. But the thing is, you will go through it just like Jamal, with joy, with faith, with peace and power And the same thing will happen in your life no matter what you're dealing with or what you're facing today. I want you to put your name in there and say God has highly favored me, right, because of my love for those he brings me in contact with. Why did they say the greatest? Ask Jesus what's the greatest commandment of all. He said, first, love the God, Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second is like it. So it's one a and one b. Love your neighbors yourself. In other words, if I don't magnify God's person, personality, and love, His fragrance through my life to others, I'm not really magnifying God. If I'm not giving thanks and praise for people being in my life then how am I giving thanks and praise for God being in my life? Hmm. So you're highly favored because of the people you love that's around you. The implication of favor upon me, what has the benefit, has to benefit people around me or it's misused favor. See, misused favor is not a curse, but misused favor puts you on the defensive and out of God's will for your life and what he designed you to be. Like Solomon had it all. And what did he do? He started marrying other king's daughters so that they could have a truce and he'd never have to go into a war. He was so great and powerful, he could have set up the New Testament in weeks. He was so powerful the Jewish people probably wouldn't have to went into 300 years of bondage in Egypt. They probably wouldn't have to be destroyed by the Turks and rebuilt, taken over by the Romans and rebuilt time and time again. But if he had depended on the favor of God rather than living in his own misused favor. In other words... He was depending on the favor of God through the wisdom God put on his life. But then he got really smart thinking, these people really like me. I don't want to fight these people. They worship me. They love me. You know what? I'll just marry one of their daughters, and then we can be friends forever and for generations. What was he saying? In other words, he didn't ask God, can he do it? His heart was not toward God like it was earlier in his walk. Now his heart was toward man. It's one thing to love man and give him what they need rather than love man to get what I need. So what happened with Saul and his fall at the end of his life, why was it? Because he operated what in misused favor. He didn't say he would... Remove your favor. He's saying you're sowing your favor in the bad ground and you're gonna get a bad return because the return on your life is nothing like the return on God's life. Uh-huh, quiet in the Holy Ghost house. Hmm. Think about the woman with the bottle of costly ointment in the New Testament whenever she breaks the alab- alabaster seal and, you know, she's a prostitute. She'd sewed all of her stuff. she gotten saved, sewed all of her stuff, came to Christ. And she's in there with all the Pharisees at one of their houses. And then the disciples were there. They were all judging her at this feast. And it was custom that someone would put oil on the feet's guests when they'd their sandals because of the scratches and the dust and the dirt and so on and clean their feet for dinner. Well, she took out one-year income, and hers was not no minimum wage income, broke it open, and poured it over the body of Jesus, and took her hair, and rubbed in those beautiful fragrance of perfumes and oils for his body, and then Jesus said, well, I know what you all are thinking, and he began to rebuke the Pharisees and others for their unbelief in what she did, but here's the key, because she was willing not to go in and be a quiet mouse, and obey just a man or religion, she had a Searched out and found her God. She had found her breath. She had found the presence of God. And that's the only thing that could set her free. The only thing that set her uh, deliver. But even on that particular occasion when she left that rabbi's house, including even his own disciples, she was the only one that walked out of that house with the fragrance of Jesus on her. See, you didn't get that, did you? Because she didn't care what anyone else was doing and she took that time to worship him to sow into him to give thanks to him to prepare his body for whatever was next she's the only one that walked out with the fragrance of Christ on her life that's the breath of God and I want you to realize no matter what's going on in your life you just need to say I am designed to walk in the fragrance of God I am designed to live in the breath of God I am designed to walk in the presence and the power of my Savior that's why greater is he who's in me than he who is in his world. That's why you hear it say it. No weapon formed against me can prosper. Why? Because I walk in the right kind and rightly used favor, not misused favor. I live in the breath of God. I'm covered with the fragrance of God. Whenever I come, I smell just like my Lord. Satan doesn't know the difference because he's like, is that Jesus or is is that, who is that? It smells just like him. Actually, I could go ahead and teach you how that Satan can't even really see you when you're a child of God unless you expose yourself, but I don't have time to do that. All he sees is the blood until you get in worry and unbelief. Anyway, then you open the access. Oh, I love this. Favor is access to divine recognition. God's favor on your life, the breath of God, is access to divine. What's that? Godhead recognition. It's access to the undivided attention of a perfect father who cares about my needs, who loves me, who gave himself for me so that I could live in him and I could present my requests and all those things to him, but mainly so that I could not only receive favor but give favor back to him. So when God increases my favor with people, it's never for self-promotion. Get this. And I started this after two streams because the power and the glory of God has been so strong. I just want you to understand it's not about us. It's about others. Imagine favor as a wind driving me into the center of, a more meaningful, of more meaningful and impactful relationships. Favor driving me in to who I'm designed to be. You know, you hear that scripture all the time, 2 Timothy 1, 9, whom he saved and called, not according to your own works, but with a holy calling in Christ Jesus before time began. God created you and knew who you were before time began. He already had a plan for your life. And therefore, whenever you were born, you were born dead. The Bible says you were born, your spirit was was in a state of death. What happens when you get born again? John 3, right? Whenever you're born again, Jesus was asked by Nicodemus. Whenever you're born again, what? You can see the kingdom of God. In other words, you can see into the heavenly realms. The second time he asked him, he said, well, my mother's, I'm old, my mother's dead, da, da, da. He said, what must I do to enter the kingdom of God? He said, You must be born again to enter the kingdom of God by spirit and by the water and the washing of the truth of the word of God. Jesus is the truth, the life, and the way. So what I want you to understand is that the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5 that Paul said, I pray for your W-H-O-L-E, whole spirit, soul, and body be found blameless in that day when what you meet the Lord. In other words, your soul is your intuition, your decision-making resources, dealing with your heart and your mind. But your spirit is the God part of you that in Genesis 1, God created you in his own image and in our own likeness we created them, both male and female, right? That is the image, imagio, likeness of God that is abiding in a state of death because you're not born again. And then the rest is flesh, blood, and body, and bone, right? But look at this. Whenever you got born again, what was dead? Your spirit was abiding in a state of death, and by the atoning blood of Jesus and your faith to receive Jesus as your grace to save you, what happened is at instantly your spirit came alive. And the Bible says in 1 First? Uh, uh, is it first? 1 Corinthians 5.17 or 2nd 5.17 says that whenever you're saved, you become a new creature or creation in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. All things become new. So whenever you give your life to Christ and you're born again, now the image of God is alive in you. The favor of God has just been born in you. The fragrance of God is in you. The kingdom of God, they said, well, well, Jesus, where is the kingdom of God? He said, the kingdom of God is in you. It's here now, and it's in you now. In other words, he was prophesying and speaking into their heart and their spirit that it's here, and it's in you now. It just had not been awakened, and it wasn't going to be awakened until he rose from the dead, and they believed that he is Jesus Lord. I know it's a heavy revvy. I'm going to wind down here. You're already down. I might as well wind on down with you. I'm not real good at that, but I'll try. So it's favor that drives me and you to the center of what God designed us for. So my role in this case is driving me deeper into the expression of Christ and loving this body and the people that God gives me to serve and my family, and my friends, and my community, and wherever he takes me, that is my ministry. In other words, your ministry is whoever God puts in front of you at that moment. Everybody, well, who should I minister to? Whoever God puts to you in front of you at that moment. Say, well, I pray for people that's sick, but I'm sick. Well, that's the best way to get healed. You start releasing the healing anointing, and before long, you're going to be healed. You start deliver- release the deliverance anointing, before long, you're going to be delivered. You're going to be set free. Because once you're born again and blood-bought, the favor of God, the breath of God has been awakened in you. Able to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Let me, let me wind down with this here. Trials work the same way through the winds of adversity. So you have the winds of favor, but you also have the winds of adversity. Let me read this one verse to you. Exodus 13, verse 17. Exodus 13, verse 17, it said, Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near for God, for God said, Lest perhaps the people change their minds, and when they see war, return to Egypt. In other words, God knew they would be ready for battle, but they weren't. And he sent them on a different path a month out of their way to go toward the promised land because he knew if they immediately went into war, as soon as they crossed over to the other side right, and went into war, he knew whenever the Red Sea parted and they went over, if they went directly into war, he was concerned that their hearts were not full of faith but still full of fear and they would regress back and go back into bondage. There's things that God protects us with and protects us from for seasons in our life so that we can mature and fight the battles on our own through the power of his name. Hmm. So as we begin to think about it like this, but about a month later, God had them go up and face the Philistines and they won the battle. He separated it by one month. God knew that his role, his place in the journey with his people would be limited and restricted by how they can cast off the spirit of fear or not. When you've been living into bondage, slavery for over 300 years, it's hard to have faith. Even though you saw all these miracles happen, it still hadn't brought transformation in their heart and life. It's the same way, and I'll pray with this. Mark. Uh, chapter 4, verse 35. And you know the story of Jesus when he had went over to the other side and he, remember the story? Well, one the same day evening they had come and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. When they had left the multitude that they took him into the boat as he was with little boats around him, blah, 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 blah. Then he arose, rebuked them. So he was what? He was asleep on a pillow and they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care if we're perishing? Do you not care for a person? What do you? Then he woke up, he spoke the storm, peace be still, the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, wait a minute, he answered their prayer, but he rebuked them at the same time. Sounds like a contradiction. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Verse 39 and 40, again, he arose, he rebuked the wind and the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and a great calm came over them. And he said again, why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? And I love this as we get ready to pray because it illustrates for me the role of maturity that God requires from us. Everyone's storm, things that used to be a big storm to you are nothing now. You're like, oh, you know, you're talking to a baby Christian. You're like, oh, baby, God's got it. It's going to be, To it's your storm. And if you've been battling the same storm for 20 years, you might need to look a little deeper into the why behind you in that storm. Hmm. See, they were afraid because the boat was filled with water. They were getting ready to die. But it's almost like when they made a petition of Jesus... He ceased the storm, and then he rebuked him. It's like it's a contradiction to the lifestyle God's called us to live. What was he saying? I'll answer your prayer, but I want to tell you where you're at in your maturity level in me. I want to show you that you saw me feed 5,000 and I used you to feed 5,000. You seen me raise Lazarus from the dead. You have seen me set the demoniacs free. You see me open blind eyes and deaf ears. You see me cast out devils. You see me do all these things, but yet, he didn't say you have a little. <laughs> you have no faith. What's faith? Knowing and trusting God. How much, how well do I know him? Perceive him. How much do I trust him? In my life, and my circumstances. I'd like all of us to stand now, if we would. And I prayed a couple of weeks ago for the favor of God as open door over your life. And I want to pray again this, Ephesians 1, verse 3, over you. <clears throat> you know, I've heard people say, well, Jesus slept in the bomb the boat because he was exhausted. He just ministered to thousands of people and, No, I think the reason he slept in the storm in the bottom of the boat because in his world, there were no storms. In his life, there were no storms. In his perception, his reality, there were no storms. Now, that doesn't mean they didn't try to throw him off a cliff. They didn't try to stone him. But to him, that wasn't a storm. To him, he was living God's will because he released the faith, the breath of God over that situation. He released Holy Spirit over that situation. And I want you to realize this morning. There's not one thing you're facing, have faced, or will face. that the breath of God, the favor of God cannot be the answer for it. Even if you don't understand it, you know, you don't understand like we say around here, you know, how a brown cow eating green grass, living in a red barn gives white milk. You don't understand it, but you drink it, right? And I want you to understand today, you don't have to understand everything, but you got to trust. I said you got to trust. You got to lean into, you got to lean on the Lord. Even when, you don't, even when you're angry, just say, Lord, forgive me for my anger. Help me. Like the one father and his son was rolling around with epilepsy and demonic activity and being burned. and Jesus said, pray. If you pray and have faith, he'll be made whole. He said, Jesus, help my faith. I believe, but help my faith. He'll help your unbelief. But he's looking for us to mature and learn his ways and not just know about him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. And- For you in here today and watching online, it's a wonderful packed house here today. I I just want to ask you, if you're far away from God or backslidden or never known the Lord, and you say, today I want to come home, come down to these holiday seasons, is a lonely time. I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. I want to live in the breath, the favor of God. If that's you on a count of three, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you just where you are. One, two, three. Raise your hand high. I want to pray for you right now. You just say, man, I want to give my life to Christ. Or I want to return home to God. Is that you? Someone back there? Okay, yes, yes, yes. Thank you for that person back there. It's kind of dark, but yes, for that young lady back there. She's the bravest one here. Thank you for this. Just... Anyone else? This young lady here, young lady there. It's two. Anyone else? Those two young. Let's pray this prayer right now. Pray us with me. Dear Heavenly Father. I repent of sin. I ask Jesus Christ to live in my heart, to be my Lord and Savior. I thank you that I believe Jesus rose from the dead. His blood atones my sin. I thank you that I'm born again. I'm blood-bought in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Give God a shout for those two ladies that came to the Lord. And right now, just put your hands out like this, ready to receive. Close your eyes. In the next 20 seconds or so, I just want you to put in your heart, your mind, what is it right now that you need the favor of God on in your life? And what do you need to know to access it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, right now, Oh, I got to do this verse. Let me read this verse to you. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God, the Lord of our Father, Lord of Jesus Christ, who has, everyone say has, blessed us with what? Every, somebody say every. Spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There's not one thing that the Spirit of God cannot produce in your life. There's not one blessing he cannot bring. And I want to ask you right now, Whatever it is that's blocking your blessing, whether it's revelation, knowledge, whether it's obedience, whatever it is. I'm just going to ask God to stir up his gifts in you to help you see it so that you can move in to the next level of the breath of God. Amen? Amen. Now, Father, I just release faith, anointing, and favor over everyone attached to this house and our family. Stir up our gifts, stir up faith and healing and miracles, signs and wonders, God. God, increase our knowledge of salvation and of grace, of healing, of deliverance, of salvation. Lord, today, whatever it is that is blocking a level, the next level of your breath of the favor of God on our lives, give us wisdom and understanding. Speak into our lives today, Lord, that we know what we must do to release into that next level. And I right now, I just uncap the wells of unbelief. I uncap the wells that the Holy Spirit come forth. Lord, baptize people with the Holy Spirit right now as we're speaking. Give them a fresh baptism. Give them a fresh anointing. Stir up your gifts. And I speak right now on the next level expansion in their life in every area to deal with the breath of God, his breath, his favor over their lives in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, the church said. I said, come on, the church said. Give God a shout of praise. Come on.